Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Uh, we are all long enough out of high school to have gone to our high school reunions. Did you guys go to yours, Curtis Bump? Nope. You no. didn't? Nah. No, did Culver City? What? I'll go to 20. Next year. 20? Yeah. You didn't go to 10 years? Didn't go to 10. Oh, man. Mm. Curtis, One thing about our 10-year reunion, I did not go to it, but it was held at an outdoor venue on the night of a massive like hailstorm oh. in this area. So <laughs> oh. I can't imagine there there was a, a lot of partying uh, deep into the Just night. me, then. <laughs> just me. <laughs> no, you haven't had yours yet. Your oh, you're right. That's yeah, right. mine's yeah. next you're year. You're looking forward to yours. <laughs> I'm looking forward to my 10-year high school reunion. It'll be a blast. Uh, I, I'm sure that if I uh, would have gone, which I have haven't um, it was fine <laughs> but uh, I mentioned that because uh, reunions are always really interesting things change over time you spend some years away from someone and maybe they're better off and maybe they're not quite the same right well there are four players who are set to hit free agency all four of whom have been former starters some of them former stars for the Seahawks and the Seahawks are in need of guys, some of these position groups. So let's figure out whether or not they need to sign any of these guys in free agency or bump whether or not you would want to see any of these guys back. I'm going to start with kind of a surprising name. Now, you guys already know Bobby Wagner. We will include Bobby in this segment. But first, Aaron Schatz for ESPN wrote up the 32 free agents who could be good fits for the 32 NFL teams. His choice for the Seattle Seahawks, center Ethan Posick. You guys remember that guy? Center Ethan Posick. Schatz says that the Seahawks' biggest need in free agency is a center to replace the departing Austin Blythe and Kyle Fuller, though, I mean, yes, they do literally need a center. They need defensive linemen, too. Um, He said, so how about a homecoming for a prodigal son? Posick was originally a second-round pick in Seattle in 2017, though struggled with injuries, left in free agency, and ended up having a breakout season with the Browns, ranking fourth in uh, run block win rate, fifth in pass block win rate among centers. He had his best career year. It's not close for the Browns. Um, is this a potential reunion for Seattle? Anything is possible, right? I've learned dealing with Pete and Schneider. You do not outrule anything. Would I make this move is probably the question we should be asking. I thought Ethan was older than what he is. He's 27 years old. I thought he was hitting 30 already. And we know that the Seahawks will bring guys back for that round two, sometimes even around three if your name is Quentin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Ethan Poe. Is it Pothic? Is that how you say Pothic? Pothic? Oh, no, it's with, oh, I it's, like it's, it's Pothic like Ibiza. Pothic? All right, I'll call him Ethan. It's Pothic. My man EP. With EP, here's the thing. We Ethan talked, we talked, we talked about this in the sports pit. What do you have in your offensive line right now? You got two young tackles. Yeah. You have a young guard in Damian Lewis. You sign Phil Haynes. You think you're going to bring someone else in to, to compete with him. Austin Blythe is gone. I believe Kyle Fuller is a free agent as well. So you have no center. You want somebody who is going to grow with this group. There's nothing like having that veteran leadership as well. In my four-down territory, I'm going to throw a name at mm-hmm. you um, at this center spot. But there's nothing like being able to grow. It changes the way I look at Ethan, Ethan Posey because at 27, I thought he was about 30 for some reason, 30, 31 years old. So there is some room to grow with him. And I would say he has at least three to four more good years in him. It's all about how much he's going to cost. He's coming off the best year of his career. He's going to want to get paid as he should. Do I want to spend that much money on a guy who's already been here, who 
that I'm not quite sure if this is the right fit for him. There's a reason why he went to Cleveland and it worked out better than it did here. Is it the coaching? Is it the environment? Mm -hmm. Was it the offense? I don't know enough about that offense, especially with Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson coming in. They don't know who they are over there. So is this a possibility? For sure. Would I want this to go down? They paid him uh, $1.1 over there. He's going to want more than that. I wouldn't do it. I would I would start fresh. I draft me a center or bring in someone who hasn't been here already at that spot because in my mind, just like everyone did, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I've seen too many times where Ethan's getting pushed back a little bit. You're We're writing not- him off. Yeah, I'm writing him off. <laughs> I'm going to hit up Big Ray and see what he thinks about this. I would love to know what Ray thinks about this. And uh, I will co-sign, though, on, especially since you're bringing back a veteran quarterback, I would love to see like a a rookie center, not Mm -hmm. just for the sake of being a rookie, but because if you were hypothetically to add a free agent center, you would have had, what, four consecutive years of four different starting centers, I think? Um, All right, let's get to our next one here. I've saved uh, the two biggest names for last, so we're going to go to... Shaquille Griffin. Y'all remember him? The Jags did not find a trade partner for corner Shaquille Griffin, who signed with Jacksonville after his first four years with Seattle. Uh, so they're going to release him, reportedly, to save $13 million against the cap. He had a back injury that limited him to five games in 2022, and in two years with the Jags, he has 11 passes defended, one forced fumble. Uh, he was better with Seattle than he has been with Jacksonville. If you guys remember when he hit free agency, it seemed like, you would maybe find an offer that was better than what Seattle was willing to pay him. That turned out to be true. And honestly, it could turn out that Seattle was kind of right. He ended up, you know, playing better here. Um, He had moments with Jacksonville, but didn't find a landing spot uh, that, that took up the entirety of that deal. So he will be a free agent, potentially a starting corner job here in Seattle. You've had steady play there from Jackson, but would you consider entertaining Griffin? Not for 13 million. That's for sure. Um, I believe that's what he got going over to Jacksonville, 13 or 14 million. Good for him. Go get that money. I look at what he did over there. No interceptions. When he was here, he wasn't known for getting a lot of interceptions, but I believe he got like six. 58 passes defended, six interceptions. Uh, He was serviceable. I look at the situation over here with the corners, and I say, wouldn't mind it. You got Mike Jackson over there. You got Tariq. You got Trey Brown. Having a guy with his presence, his veteran presence, gives you a backup plan for Mike Jackson if you don't believe in Trey Brown. When Trey Brown was healthy, there's a reason why Mike Jackson stayed on the field. Mike Jackson was the better corner, not causing a lot of turnovers. Had one interception last year, his only of his four-year career. So he don't really have a knack for getting the football out the air. What Mike Jackson is good at, open field tackling. It might not look pretty. He might end up on his butt a couple times, but more times than not, he's going to get the ball carrier down. So I look at Shaquille Griffin, I go, what would be the difference? He wasn't causing turnovers over there with Jacksonville. He was banged up a little bit. He's a bit older, but there's something to be said about bringing a guy in, a veteran in that secondary that is that can communicate well, that has – um games under his belt, mm-hmm. and just has that experience. As I look at that, the corner spots, there's not a lot of experience out there. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind bringing Shaquille back, but it has to be for the right price, man. $13 million is, not, is way too much. And there's other spots to fill. That's something I would visit after I've already brought in a linebacker, after I've already addressed the defensive down line. down on the checklist. Yeah, it's, not on the, it's not up in the priority it's there, list right now. but it's now. not, not yeah. top of the list. All right, next name on here. It's a situation the Seahawks are familiar this, uh, with. They kind of ran into this with Jaron 
and read a little bit, but we've seen other teams do this too. When you're unable to find common ground on restructuring a contract, sometimes you got to move on from the player. That's exactly what Kansas City had to do with Frank Clark, officially releasing him yesterday. They sent out a tribute video. He's been obviously to two now Super Bowls uh, with Kansas City. Um, he, oh gosh, three. Um, he's been great for them. He's been better in the postseason uh, than he has in the regular season, though has remained a starter, has remained productive. His career high in regular season sacks remains the 13.5 or 14, depending on how you count that, uh, that he got with Seattle. Um, But he ended up becoming a pro bowler with Kansas City for the first time. So it was not a pro bowler with Seattle, was a pro bowler with Kansas City, was productive with Seattle in his final year. He's now a free agent. Would you consider bringing him back for a pass rush that was top 10 in sacks, though far from that in quarterback pressures I would consider it but from what I remember of Frank personality wise bit rough around the edges when it comes to um, his personality which works for him not not knocking it I look at this group and I go now Hawks don't have just a group of just nice guys who don't compete and don't care but the vibe is something different I think you have your Frank Clark already in in Uchinawosu he is the attitude out there he is the vocal guy he's the a, you know what? Mm-hmm. I think with Frank Clark, because he's a veteran, because he has all these accolades, you mentioned him being one of the top sackers when it comes to the playoffs. He's got Super Bowl. I just don't know what his personality is going to be like. Like You left here and had even more success. Are you going to come back here and allow Uchenna to be Uchenna, uh, Jordan to be Jordan, or is your big personality going to take over and mess up the chemistry going on here? As a football player, I would love it. Also, how expensive is this dude going to be? Mm-hmm. You got two rings. Uh, the price tag, it changes a little bit with Frank Clark. So I would consider it, but that's not something that I would rush to do. I think when it comes to edge rushers, you go young because you have two guys over there who produce towards the end of the season. I agree. I think it's the least likely of the four yeah. given uh, timing uh, competition that he's going to have from other teams and just general cost for this position in general. Typically, the second or third most position, uh, expensive position you're going to find outside of like maybe a premier left tackle. Uh, but yeah, edge rusher is going to be pretty pricey. Um, one final name. We saw him change his Twitter header back to a picture of the Seattle skyline. Does it mean that Bobby Wagner could want to return to the Emerald City? Who knows? We talked with Bob Condota the other day of the Seattle Times, who said he's hearing from sources in L.A. that Bobby Wagner would be interested in a reunion with the Seahawks. It sure seemed like things ended on a sour note, but... The Seahawks have an eated interior linebacker, a great history with Bobby Wagner. Wagner coming off a great season, career high in sacks for the Rams. Ignore their record. Bobby had a pretty solid year. It was probably a snub for the Pro Bowl. Uh, He now enters free agency after the Rams wanted to clear cap space and Bobby wanted to play for a contender. It sounds like it's a mutual decision rather than them saying, like, we need money. We're cutting you. It's, It's Bobby and them saying, like, hey, it might be time to part ways here. Would you want to see a reunion for Bobby Wagner and Seattle? Here's one thing that's definitely going to happen with Bobby. He'll be in Seattle, regardless if he plays here or not. He'll have a home here. He'll he'll start doing what KJ's doing. At least I think he's capable of doing it, getting to the media game. Mm-hmm. Bobby is a guy that is always going to be loved here in Seattle. And yesterday we talked about this a little bit. And the main concern I feel like from you and I and people on the text lines is that is he going to want to be the leader? Like, what role is, is he going to be willing to play on this team? Because you've officially passed a torch to Jordan Brooks. Yep. We know he's banged up, unfortunate with his knee and all that stuff. But when he returns, the defense should be and will be his. 
if you do bring a Bobby over, Bobby's is a natural leader. It's not even on some uh, I'm going behind your back trying to manipulate the situation type stuff. Bobby's just a good leader. That's what he does. So will Bobby be okay not playing backup but deferring to Jordan Brooks and letting him lead the charge once he is back? I don't know. I got to ask KJ about that. But I think he'd be a good fit if he were able to do that. But we all got egos. We mm-hmm. all have egos. And it's not a it's not a bad thing. It doesn't make Bobby a bad person. But I think his natural leadership is just going to shine. And it might make things a little awkward with him and Jordan Brooks at times. Jordan got something to say, then Bobby's overriding him. Have you seen that that clip of um, LeBron and Russell in the locker room? And LeBron is sitting there. He goes, all right, guys, man. Hey, play hard, man. Let's block down the defense. Yada, yada, yada. Russell Westbrook comes over. Hey, guys, just have fun. Just have fun. <laughs> and LeBron's looking at him like, what you talking about? We're trying to win games. That's the type of situation, not necessarily with those words. Well, you're not and those saying feelings, that like this person but, is Westbrook, this person yeah, is whoever. But it's like that's the type of situation that I could possibly see going yes, down where it's like kind of opera like, uh, all right, but would I want Bobby back for sure? But I don't want to disrespect him with a with a with a price tag that that doesn't honor who he is in this mm-hmm. league still to this day because he's a good linebacker. Yeah, you don't want to not pay him what he's worth, and you also don't want too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to leadership. Here's what makes that tricky and what also makes it interesting. What makes it tricky, you're right, is that Jordan Brooks is presumably one of the leaders on this defense now, right? You think of whose defense is it? Well, what's Nuosu going to do? What's Brooks going to do? Like, there are now new voices that are going to come into play. Quandre Diggs, right? Um, wait, wait until Jamal is healthy, too. Exactly. Another voice. Then you've got an, uh, some other voices here. What makes it tricky is... Bobby was here when all these guys were here and Bobby predated all of these guys. So Bobby's leadership superseded them. So when Bobby went to L.A., he wasn't going to push back against Aaron Donald and be like, yeah, this is my team. He recognized that, like, I am coming to his team. If Bobby comes back here... This was your team, and these guys all came here after you were already here. You were the leader when they got here. So it's it would be kind of weird to come back and not immediately take that mantle. Here's mm-hmm. what makes it interesting. Jordan Brooks might not be ready for the start of the season. He's not. Jamal Adams, he will he be ready for the start of the season? I don't know. Both have a long recovery ahead of them. So making things interesting is that Quandre is out here openly campaigning for Bobby Wagner on Twitter mm-hmm. and that two other guys who are leaders on this team may not even be playing to start the year. It opens an interesting window that wouldn't otherwise be there. It also is exactly what makes interior linebacker one of your greatest needs behind defensive line. Yeah, man. Uh, Wally from Snoqualmie points out Bobby was a captain in L.A. So he joined that team and was an automatic captain. That's how much respect that he deserves and gets as soon as he steps foot in the building. Now, you can be a captain and not be the guy in the forefront and the loudest voice or whatnot, but uh, that, that's when, that's what will be interesting. Would Bobby make this football team better, this defense better? Yes, he will make them better. Say what you want. He's 30-something years old. He's not as fast as he used to be. He's better than any linebacker, any healthy linebacker you have on the roster mm-hmm. right now. He makes this defense better. It's the extra stuff. This hour of Bump and Stacey is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. You mentioned getting to some center stuff in four-down territory. We've also got Lamar Jackson stuff, so let's get to it now. Time for four-down territory. This is four-down territory. Going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down. Why does this whole Lamar Jackson situation bother you more and more every day? Uh, it just does, man, because I feel like he's being disrespected. People are texting in like, oh, he's... Bump, you're just a player's guy. You want everyone to get paid. Yes, especially if you're one of the best at what you do. You should be getting paid. And the market was set by Deshaun, but this is why it messes me up. 
You look at Lamar Jackson as a starter. He's 45 and 16. He's winning 73% of the games he lines up to play. All right. TD interceptions, 101 touchdowns, 38 interceptions. 4,300 rushing yards, 24 touchdowns, a completion rate of 63%, two-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, one-time MVP. There's a quarterback who just got paid $230 million, $189 million guaranteed, and he is 22-23-1. Two-time Pro Bowler, no MVPs, no All-Pros, 89 touchdowns, 41 interceptions, and about 2,500 less rushing yards, yet that man got paid. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray is a good football player, but has not had the success that Lamar Jackson has had. Even when it comes just to throwing the ball, people are always going to point to Lamar. Oh, he cannot throw the football. Look at Lamar's highlights. He can throw the football. Is he a Tom Brady? Is he a Joe Burrow? Is he Pat Mahomes? No, he's got a different skill set. So I just look at those two right there and I go, Lamar's been in the league one year longer, has had more success, yet he is frowned upon because of the way that he plays. When you look at Kyler Murray, and he ain't done jack nothing in this league, yet he does have two Pro Bowls, Pro Bowls just because of the way his game looks. I'll take Lamar Jackson over Kyler Murray any day of the week. So I just look at that situation and I go, another reason why Lamar should feel disrespected because other dudes are getting paid, and he's out there trying to flip a uh, non-exclusive franchise situation, mm-hmm. and people are saying they don't want him. When you know you do, collusion you know you do. is going down for sure. Well, and Lamar's never made his team look worse. Right. Like, that's the one thing you can say is you might be able to say, uh, people do this with pro bowlers a lot. Yeah, he was a pro bowler uh, four years ago, and sometimes that's fair. It's like, yeah, you're right. Saying like, well, he was an MVP however many three years ago. Well, yeah, he was an MVP three years ago. He's 26 years old and he's still Mm -hmm. great. The only thing that's changed is he's dealing with some injuries there. And need I remind you that NFLPA thing uh, survey that came out had the Ravens as what, like an F minus with their uh, conditioning staff or training staff or something like that. Like, I I think that there are some questions about whether the Ravens are handling this situation with Lamar well. It's a fascinating conversation, Bump. I'm so glad that we got started here. Um, We're going to get to Lamar uh, a bit later coming up at 11.45 as well. Second down. What organization has money to play with and what should they do with it? I'm staying with Lamar. Yes, my texter out there that calls us out for talking about Lamar all the time. Our Ravens. I'm staying with Lamar. <laughs> our, our Ravens. There's an organization out there, at least according to Spot Track, they have $67 million in cap space. I'm talking about the Atlanta Falcons. And they came out and said, we are not interested in Lamar Jackson. All right, if you're, if you're not, I feel you, you drafted Desmond Ritter. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens there. But could you imagine? You get Lamar Jackson over there. You give up your two first-round picks. I got the number eight pick in the draft this year. You team him up with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Algier, a 1,000-yard rusher running back. And then, this I'm, I'm being crazy now, like crazy GM status. And then you go out and you get Derrick Henry because the Tennessee Titans are trying to shop him as well. He's going to require about $10 to $12 million a year. You still got room to work with. If I'm Atlanta, I'm seeing a moment in the South right now where you can just take over this thing and dominate. You drafted young receivers. You have a young running back. You go get a quarterback. And if you're feeling really frisky, you get and put a bid in for Derrick Henry because they're trying to ship him. That's just like a pipe dream, right? Could you imagine if Atlanta did that with their money? So to Atlanta, to the Dolphins, to the Texans, all these teams that are saying, no, we're good on Lamar Jackson. Think twice. He can transform your team, and especially the Atlanta Falcons. They got way too much money to play with over there. Third down. 
With the suspected cap for the Seahawks around $23 million, there's probably only room for one big name to sign in free agency. So who are your top five targets? My top five in no particular order. We've said all of these names, but I figured out I'd go out there and just make it official now. These are the five that I'm going after. Actually, one that I haven't talked about yet. Um, David Onye Mata. Sorry if I'm butchering his name. He plays for, he used to play for the Saints. He is like that one-tech, three-tech type of dude, all right? Great with the run stop. He gets in that four-point stance. He uses his leverage, all right? He is strong against the double teams. You need guys who are going to be stout, going to hold that double team and do what they got to do. Only have five and a half sacks. When you're playing that interior defensive line, you're not going to get a lot typically unless your name is Jones or Aaron Donald or something mm-hmm. like that and get double-digit sacks. Also, this guy's market value is going to be $9.3 million. Not going to break the bank. Not going to break the bank with this guy. I like him. And then you have a usual suspect. Got Hargrave, 11 sacks, right? Market value is going to be around $20 million. Have Dalvin Thompson, Tomlinson. I haven't mentioned his name in a minute. The guy over there with the Minnesota Vikings. He had three sacks last year. His market value is $8.5 million. Again, not breaking the bank. You go with David Onyemate or Thomason, boom, you're saving your money there. And then you have Tremaine Edmonds. Talked about him, too. The linebacker for, was a linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. Last one, Jason Kelsey. So I gave you five names right there. You got offensive lineman Jason Kelsey, LB and Edmonds, and you have three defensive linemen. If you could pick up one of those guys and address the position of need because you need all those positions, I think that is a good start. But knowing Pete and John, they're going to do something that we're not expecting, and hopefully it works out. Draft a kicker at five. Draft a kicker at yeah. five. Uh, fourth down. After extending Jason Myers. <laughs> Yeah, you got to have insurance. Why aren't you surprised Jerry Jones would defend the intrusive process at the Combine? Jerry Jones, what? It's not like you. Because he's intrusive. What owner... What owners do you know that sit in on the uh, the Sunday-Monday meetings for the, uh, the, the game plan? They do post-game press conferences. This is the first time I'd ever seen that, and it was when Dallas came here, and I was shocked because I didn't know that happened. Post-game press conferences. He sits in on coaches' meetings. He wants to know the game plan. Like He is all he, he is intrusive. His name is Jerry Intrusive Jones. <laughs> so the fact that he's going to go out there and say, no, I have no, no problem with this. I want to sit there. I want to poke at them as well. I want to ask all these questions. Doesn't surprise you at all. That's how Jerry gets down. So, no, that's why I'm not surprised. That's what Jerry does. <laughs> Jerry Jones, uh, every time I we watch football, especially for Thanksgiving when I'm visiting my family, the Cowboys are obviously playing. And uh, my dad for, just hates Jerry Jones. I don't know why. He's not a man of many words. My dad, not Jerry Jones. And he just will constantly, if the game's on, I don't like that man. (laughs) Don't like the vibe? Doesn't like the vibe. I don't like that, Jerry. It's Bump and Stacey on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Pete Carroll claps back on Twitter and Steve Ballmer gets hyped about toilets. That's next in the timeline. This is The Timeline with Bump and Stacy. Brought to you by 1-800-DUIOA. You are listening to The Timeline on Bump and Stacy, reading you the top stories you're going to see on your own timeline. So let's get started with Steve Ballmer. <laughs> of course. Who else? Uh, Steve Ballmer, famous for freaking out about a lot of things, is recently psyched out of his mind about toilets. Toilets! 1100 I just would like to say, toilets. starting it with toilets kills me. <laughs> toilets Three times the NBA average number of toilets and urinals. We do not want people waiting in line. We want them to get back to their damn seats. We have more toilets than any other arena. I appreciate that, though. 
Toilets. I appreciate toilets. The toilets. And you know what I appreciate too? I appreciate the modern toilets. Have you been to stadiums? Well, this is probably not an issue for you because you guys have stalls. Curse where there's just like one just long trough. Stall. Oh, the trough. Yeah, is that what it's called? The trough. Oh, and you ew. just stand there. Ew. It's like there's Saddling no up privacy. Next to your oh, buddy. that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, so I, I, I guarantee those will be the best toilets in any arena. Or a stadium in the country. Do you think that's what he has? Like, he means, like, we have more toilets because he just, like, jam-packed them together. <laughs> He's like, the sinks are toilets. Wherever you want to go, Wherever. it's a toilet. It's a toilet. I love this company. Yes! Steve Ballmer. Is there anyone? Developers, 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 developers. Developers, 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 developers. Yes. Oh, man. Should have done the same thing for toilets. Toilets. Everything. There's just a greatest hits record of Steve Ballmer yelling nouns into a mic. All right. Next up on the timeline, Pete Carroll's getting into it with Sauce Gardner. So Sauce Gardner, during an interview with Rich Eisen at the Combine, was asked about, you know, some of the more memorable moments from his own Combine experience. And he said, you know, I did have one. I'm paraphrasing. I did have one kind of like weird one or uncomfortable one. I was interviewing with the Seahawks and Pete Carroll was like really talking close and he kept asking me questions and I would answer and then he would like cut me off. Um, so after he said that, which went like not viral, but people were talking about it because they were like, look at Sauce Gardner, you know, hating on Carol. And of course, there's already the history between uh, Tariq Wollen, who doesn't have like beef with Gardner, but there was that kind of back and forth that was happening. Um, Pete Carroll has a tweet. It's a picture from this conversation where he's clearly seated sauce gardener standing and says hey at next gen stats a little help here trying to get a measurement between me and and then he tags sauce gardener sauce gardener not a fan of pete carroll doing that said this can't be you that posted this i'm gonna just assume it's y'all media team who picked three pictures when we weren't by each other and posted it just for the internet i'm gonna keep it pushing sincerely d-r-o-y defensive rookie of the year gardener xoxo gossip girl he doesn't say that last part, but I think he should have. <laughs> Would you expect Sauce to come out and do anything less? Like you saw no, the way not. he was shading through Woolen this whole time and begging for votes when it comes to Defensive Player of the Year. He just seems like a young man who has never been told he was wrong mm-hmm. or would never come out and just say, oh, that's my bet. I might have exaggerated that just a little bit. But Pete, big ups to Pete for getting into the Twitter game, even if it ain't him. He had to give the okay. Like, yeah, go ahead and yeah, send it. What if he did? I mean, what if he did want to say something? Pete Carroll is very professional, very, I wouldn't say sarcastic, but like sneaky funny. Yeah. Like, I think he's funnier than people give him credit. He's a little sly. He's more sly than people give him credit for because they see this guy and they're like, oh, Pete, he's a player's coach. He's so nice. He's kind of sly, man. Like, he'll he'll take a few shots. Yes. And I'm glad that he did. Yeah. And he gave you a receipt. Here's a receipt. All right, this is the evidence. We were not sitting that close. I was not in your face. Might have cut him off a couple of times. That happens in conversations from time to time. But yeah, Saucy always got something to say. Now, I'm sure that Sauce's experience is like true for him, right? Like, I'm sure, fine. If Pete was kind of like uncomfortably close for you and you didn't love the experience, that's fine. But like, I just also, like, I don't know what you're trying to imply. 
I don't know. Well, he was answering a question. I, true. I should. I should. I should reflect. Yeah, you're right. He yeah. was just answering for him personally. This mm-hmm. was like my least fun one. Yeah. But and you know how it goes, too, man. You tell a story one time, two times, three times. It changes mm-hmm. a little bit. A year or two a later, bit. it's a totally different story than what really happened. Maybe that's happening there. Maybe Pete's in the wrong. Maybe he's right. Either way, I'm just glad Pete clapped back. Have you ever had a story that kind of became an elaborate lie, and but you still told it, or a story oh, yeah. that changed over time? Mm-hmm. What no, was I'm the story? I'm not saying it on air. What? It caught up. She's talking about. <laughs> Curtis, if you is listening again, like I'm right there with Bob. You don't want to admit it. If I let people in on my lies, then like, no, (laughs) we're not saying it on the air. I think mine is the closest I've gotten to one is with that tenth place ribbon. I don't actually think anyone was worse. (laughs) (laughs) I think they just gave ribbons to everyone. (laughs) Speaking of like lies that got out of hand, didn't you have a friend one time? like lie about a covid test so they could get out of work one day or something like that they yes (laughs) i had a friend who started a new job and um thought they had covid didn't end up having covid um but had already used it as a reason to not go to work so they were like well i'm just gonna stick with it but then as it turns out because they were at the office the entire office oh, then had to get no. tested. So they're lied. That's the thing is you can't lie about having COVID because exactly, it, because like a year from now, people will be like, hey, have you ever had COVID? Well, and it used to be, be like, like, yeah, yeah. Totally. And it used to be like, you could lie about me. Oh, I'm not feeling good today. I can't come in today. And then you could come back the next day. Now, if you're like, oh man, I think I have COVID. It's like, see you in two weeks. <laughs> hey, I would like two people calling me out about my golf game. My golf game is tight right Ooh. now. So bump his lies as golf score. Mm-mm. Wow, 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 wow. I know we've never even seen the scorecard from his seven. I know. I've never seen it. Uh, well, my- I mean, Stacy, some people may accuse you of not having a real boyfriend named Brian. No, that's I don't lie about that. Our relationship is real and it's special. Next up in the timeline, <laughs> FC Barcelona and their former team president are facing corruption charges following the unearthing of payments to former VP of the refereeing committee. This is an ongoing investigation. Barcelona facing those corruption charges. Stories up on ESPN right now, but essentially it comes down to the former vice president, uh, or excuse me, the uh, president of um Barca paying uh, the referee VP, and uh, this is uh, sources confirming that to a Spanish new agency, uh, Spanish news agency EFE, or maybe FA. Who can say? I don't know. What? Yeah. Soccer. What? Corruption. <laughs> I could. Ne- I never would have thought, man. Soccer is, or European soccer. Soccer is the mafia of all sports. The stuff that goes down in soccer. A documentary on. Um, what the FIFA World Cup? Uh, that was I wild. Watched. That one on Netflix. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. The things that happen in soccer because there's such there's so many people that play the sport. Right, FIFA is huge. It controls all international soccer and the elite. There's like ten to twenty people who run all of soccer. So once you get in with them, you get influenced by them. There's a whole bunch of money that gets tossed around in soccer too. Curtis pointed out people talk about football players and baseball players getting paid, but God, Ronaldo's getting what two hundred million. 200 million a year. year. Also, most followed person on Instagram. Uh, Important to note that they can't face charges because of the statute of limitations uh, for any of these crimes. So it's really, I think, just an investigation to kind of uncover it. Uh, uh, Let's see. Who's this person? Um, It sounds like... Uh, Barca's explanation is the payments were for technical reports on referees and refereeing and not to like 
influence refereeing. So that's their defense of it. So either way, um, UEFA and FIFA could still take action. The Royal Spanish Football Federation uh, says that UEFA has requested all the information, so they're going to review it. But potentially a big refereeing scandal here. Not uh, surprised. Yeah. Not one bit. Not surprised at all. Still great club. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I wanted to get back to that Lamar Jackson story. We've got some Mariners coming your way at 1 p.m. when Shannon Dreyer joins us. So uh, I'm kind of holding that one off and, and we'll get into that conversation beginning at 1, sticking with it for a while with Shannon. Um Jeff Legwald of uh, ESPN is uh, joining us coming up in about 20 minutes to kind of take our last reflection back on the Russell Wilson trade. Before we get to any of it, though, we got to talk about the biggest story happening. One of the biggest story in sports right now, certainly the biggest story in the NFL right now, is the NFL colluding against Lamar Jackson. That's next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Rost. Lamar Jackson franchise tag by the Ravens yesterday. Why is this suddenly the biggest story in sports this morning? Because the NFL is maybe colluding? That's a theory for several sports critics and former athletes, and I'd say probably a few current athletes. Bump, let's get to it with this one. Will Brinson of CBS Sports has an article I'm going to reference to get us started here. Um, he says, look, at least five teams have leaked out their, quote, disinterest in Lamar Jackson, which is kind of weird given that this is a quarterback league with a non-exclusive franchise tag. Teams can still negotiate with Jackson, who just 26 years old and only three years removed from being an MVP player. Also, very clearly still the most talented player on Baltimore's roster in a quarterback league. You can still negotiate with him. Uh, You can give up two first-round picks to acquire him, which is less than the Browns gave up for Deshaun Watson. The same that the Seahawks gave up for Russell Wilson just a year ago. Um, Why aren't we seeing more people do this? And he says, look, part of this could be the guaranteed money that's there. Um, You know, there could be, you know, the Ravens colluding with other people, whatever it is. The math isn't mathing that a 26 year old dynamic quarterback who any team would want, including teams that are largely irrelevant on a national stage (laughs) that any team would want. And yet no one's making the move. It doesn't make sense. Make it make sense. It's it's crazy that a player of this talent hasn't even gotten a nibble yet. Everyone's saying, are you guys ready? Going to leak these. One, two, three. Go. Leak it. <laughs> We're not interested in Lamar. And and here's and here's the other side, because I think we we have to bring this to light, is that there's a situation where Lamar just doesn't accept anything that the Ravens have put on the table as far as guaranteed money or whatnot. That's a situation for sure. Um, But when you're 26 years old, all pro, two-time pro bowler, MVP, Mm -hmm. changed the game with one play, he could could change the momentum of the game. It makes no sense that people aren't at least going to bring him in for a conversation and say, look, this is what we have to offer. Um, Here are our players. Here's our vision. Um, Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't work out. But at least sit there and have a conversation. You got dudes flying out to see Brett Favre. He's due to get, what, $48, 50000000 million this mm-hmm. year. And, and Aaron, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers is a good football player, so it all makes sense. That's all I'm saying. I'm like, he's too good to not have interest. For teams to, to uh, X him off right now, so early in the game, it's crazy. What you going to do? There's not, quarterbacks are leaving right now. Derek's gone. Geno's gone. The Jimmy's going to the Texas. I'm calling it right now. 
Um, Aaron's probably going to the Jets. You don't have that many options. Well, and it's really weird to see quarterback needy teams with cap space do this. So the franchise tag deadline was at uh, 1 p.m. Pacific um, at noon. Diana Rossini said the Atlanta Falcons will not be pursuing quarterback Lamar Jackson per sources. Or excuse me, it was at noon. So 15 minutes after that deadline, you immediately had like, hey, they're not going to go after Jackson. Uh, then you had that same afternoon, not, not long after, um, uh, an ESPN reporter saying the Raiders will not be involved in a trade. Joe uh, Person says that the Panthers not likely to be expected. So immediately within like two hours of the Jackson news, you have several teams coming out saying they're not interested. Think of how John Schneider or any of these other, uh, you know, front office folks we have here in Seattle respond when we ask questions. It's always like we don't want to close the door on anything because it's just not something that you say. You always want to mm-hmm. leave it open. Like to say definitively, no, we're not doing that is a pretty rare answer, even if you know they're probably not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the response that we're getting right now is that teams don't want to pay 100 percent guaranteed contracts. OK, I get that. Correct. You negotiate. You sit down with someone. You see where their head is at. You see if you can convince them of something else, especially when it's a talent like Lamar Jackson. That's what I'm saying. I'm sure Lamar wants 100% guaranteed. Of course he wants that contract. At least I what Deshaun's doing over there, even though Cleveland is about to restructure some mm-hmm. stuff over there. Um, of course he wants a guaranteed contract because he knows what this league is. And once you get hurt, they will cut you and you're gone. So that's what he's bringing to the table. Everyone has a number. Everyone, not everyone, but you could – you could get somewhere close to the same page, I feel like, if you really want to with a talent like Lamar Jackson. So because everyone's all on the same page as far as these owners, Atlanta, Carolina, the Dolphins saying they don't want nothing to do with them, all within two hours of, mm-hmm. um, what's her name, Diana? Diana Rossini. Rossini putting this thing out? Come on, it looks like collusion. It has to be collusion. It happens, And it happens all the time, and people don't realize that this happens. These owners are in cahoots. Yeah. All right? They are all talking to each other. Some have better relationships with, with others than, than some other guys, but for you just to look at this situation and not even fathom the possibility of collusion is not realistic. Well, and I, I get that, you know, sometimes the business side of the NFL is slightly less interesting than what happens on the field, mm-hmm. but it's just as important. And some of the things that happen behind the scenes in the case of Lamar Jackson's negotiations with Baltimore are also big factors here. The fact that Lamar Jackson is representing himself and because he's representing himself is working closely with the players union. This is just a much about uh, as much a battle between um, the players union and league owners as it is between Lamar and Baltimore, right? Like this is, this is about, uh, players advocating for more guaranteed money and the league pushing back. I'm Mm -hmm. sure the league was furious when the Browns gave Deshaun Watson two thirty guaranteed and they don't want to see anyone else come close to that. And unfortunately for the league, Deshaun Watson didn't play well. So you're right. Deshaun Watson will end up renegotiating and they've got an out there and they're going to figure some stuff out. But for Lamar Jackson to come out and say, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Um, Deshaun got 230 guaranteed. Uh, Derek Carr just got 100. Lamar worth plenty more than 100 guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But you just saw Derek Carr get 4150. You saw Daniel Jones get uh, 4160. What are we talking about? Like you, you mentioned the Kyler Murray deal and four down territory is a great example of a quarterback who's getting way more guaranteed money and is not nearly as accomplished. It just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. And again, we cannot sit here and act like Lamar is perfect in this situation. He doesn't have an agent. 
Um, I believe his mother is kind of involved with all that. I love my mom, but I would not get her involved in my contract situations. Too much emotion there. And you don't know what you don't know about negotiations and sitting down and talking about contracts. And I'm not, I don't think that Lamar Jackson is asking for anything outrageous. I think he's asking probably for something that he's seen already go down mm-hmm. in the league. But it's all about speaking the right language and being in those situations and being savvy in those situations as well. So just like um, we talk about these organizations probably colluding against Lamar Jackson, he hasn't helped himself out either by going into this situation alone, especially when you're asking for a huge contract. It's not like, you know, when Bobby was asking for $14 million a year, $18 million a year for a few years. You're talking about, I want to be probably the highest paid quarterback in this league. So hopefully he learns from this situation and hopefully he sits down with some teams and, and talk this thing out because he's too good not to have a lot of interest. Absolutely. Uh, as a reminder, we're going to take uh, one last look around the league at 1230 um, before we get to Mariners at 1 p.m. with Shannon Dreyer first, though. We're jumping back in for the last time today to that conversation about the one-year anniversary of Russell Wilson, what we've learned and what the league has learned in the last 365 days. ESPN Broncos reporter Jeff Legwald joins us next.